Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Carolyn Taylor, Jennifer Whalen, and Aurora Brown met while performing with Second City Toronto. Later, Meredith McNeil befriended Carolyn on the set of This Hour Has 22 Minutes. These four Canadian women joined forces to create, write, executive produce, and star in their own hilarious sketch comedy series, Baroness Von Sketch Show. They're in production right now on season four for the CBC, while season three premieres this November on IFC. So let's get to it! All right, so I've got uh, the uh, t- talented, lovely, uh, hilarious women of Baroness Von Sketch Show, the writers, creators, producers, and stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last things first, I just want to commend the four of you. There are so many sketch shows that belabor the setup and the premise, and the four of you just know how to get in and get out so often. Yeah. Like, there's no... there's doesn't seem to be a set rule on how long a sketch has to be. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, as long as it needs to be. How, yeah. did you, how did you arrive at that determination? Well, I mean, I think partly, uh, you know, we watch a lot of comedy on the internet, and I know, like, I don't... I'm a comedy writer. I don't have a lot of patience for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think sometimes, too, you're just better served by just... You know, sometimes a joke can just stand alone. You don't mm-hmm. have to... I think sometimes what happens is you're writing something, and you're like, oh, my God, I love this joke, and then I added this joke, and I added the other thing. And really, it's about the one joke. We actually were in the middle of um, filming season four, and we do have a sketch that was a f- more fulsome sketch that we're like, oh, it's got problems, and then we're just like... You know, the last joke is actually the best part. And so that's that's a blackout that we did. That's a little tiny sketch. Yeah. We got rid of the first half of it and just kept the below line, basically. Yeah. Nice. But was that wasn't something that you started with, though, from the get-go. What do you mean? Yeah. No, it was the always... The idea, yeah, yeah, it was part of it. Like, yeah. part of um, some of our training at Second City, uh, there was a s- format with, like, they're called blackouts, mm-hmm. which are, like, you know, when you're on stage, a uh, quick joke comes out, a, a simple premise... Lights go out, you get a big laugh, then you go on and have like a longer scene it's or whatever. It's tough to do in, in live stage shows to have sh- short scenes. It, it oh, can be, it but, can be. Yeah, but with the right lighting cues. Well, in New yeah. York. I don't know about Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but I think if, when you come from a live, <laughs> doing live shows, you, mm-hmm. you really feel it when you've overstayed your welcome. Yeah. So I think, and then um, I know certainly both Carol and I were, and actually Meredith too, worked mm-hmm. on This Hour is 22 Minutes, which is a Canadian show that has an element that's taped in front of a live audience. So you had this invaluable time of getting to know like, that week, something you wrote that week, whether it worked or not in front of an audience, you got better at like, oh, we want to keep them for the whole time, you know, not, you know, you don't want to lose people in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think too, you know, when you're doing improv and you're doing like, especially if you're doing something real free form, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, you know, something with tag outs or something, you get to get that feeling of Mm -hmm. we're done here or it's time for me to just leave. Mm -hmm. And there have been times where we have like, but I mean, I think we've gotten more economical with our, with our writing, you know, we used to be like, oh, I have to really set this up. Da, da, da. Now, because we spend a lot of time in the editing room as well, when we're looking at it, we can recognize right away. I think all of us do it where it's like, oh, we can do this in two lines. You know, you really don't need need that. But it's, you know, you have the audience in your head, right? You you, you feel that. Literally. Literally in your head. <laughs> you, can, you can hear them. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, Second City for sure um, has, has a big... 
a big element to that, and we, we carried that over. Well, that, that ties in perfectly because I want to take the clock back a ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm here with Carolyn, Jen, Meredith, and Aurora. Mm-hmm. Which two of you met first? These two. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh, I two think sure, we I met think. first uh, okay. through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Carolyn and Jen. Jen had been on Second City main stage. I was still, I was touring company, I guess, mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, okay. Or maybe you actually know, I think you'd already left main stage. I, I had left because it was through Mary yes. Pat Farrell who was in on main stage at the time. And she said, oh, t- well, she said yeah. to me, I don't, I don't know what she said to you about me. But right. to me, she said <laughs> about you, she's like, you have to meet Carol- Carolyn Taylor. She's fabulous. You're going to love her. And she basically said the same thing about Jen. And we became fast friends. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward another year or so, something mm-hmm. like that, Aurora Brown um, came to see. I think you, we met when I was performing a, a show. I, would, I met you so, in, in your Level D show. Yeah, Level D, just yeah, before yeah. I'd gotten into touring company. Mm. Yeah. And then Aurora very quickly got promoted into tour co. Like yeah. within a year after. So we shared a, um, a ca- we were in the cast together yeah. and okay. went on to do main stage together. And then fast, fast forward, forward many years. Um, I'm, I'm the. Meanwhile, Late over member. in England, yeah, 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 yeah. right. He's a noob. I was that. I, I was in England for like fifteen, sixteen years, and I came back and met Carolyn at uh, twenty-two minutes. Right, because yeah. the Venn diagram: three of you did yes. Second City, and three mm-hmm. of you did This yeah. Hour. Yeah, we have a lot of threes within our thing. There's like different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do now, a lot of different Venn diagrams. For Second City Toronto, when you are auditioning and and joining. Whether it's the main cast or Torco or mm-hmm. Level D, the Level D, <laughs> Level yeah, D, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, do you go in thinking that you're going to become part of the next big super group that comes out of Second City? <laughs> <laughs> Every time, is there? But, uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, no, you honestly, because sometimes at, like the UCB here in, in in New York or maybe Improv mm-hmm. Olympic in Chicago. There's a or Second City Chicago. There's definitely a sense of oh, these people have come out of here and gotten SNL mm-hmm. or been in movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm part of that next wave. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that for definitely when I was in Second City, the thought was oh, get on Saturday Night Live. That mm-hmm. was it's a conduit to Saturday Night Live. But I don't know that at the time that I was there in particular, people were thinking oh, we can start our own sketch group, which will right. be you know. I think people thought. Yeah, you'll get onto SNL would be the dream, and that will launch your your career. Even though Kids in the Hall came yeah. out of two two fifths of that came out of Kids. Yeah, they oh they they did Second City right. afterwards. They they were like performing at the Rivoli, and it wasn't they weren't uh, they had their own thing right. going on. So it wasn't, right, it wasn't a Second City. No, it wasn't a Second City generated right. thing. And there yeah. were a lot of people coming out of Second City who would form their own troops or pair yeah. up with other folks and mm-hmm. and perform or try to get a TV show. Like everyone was you know shooting. The ball at the net, kind of thing, and uh, but I don't think that it was ever assumed that that would be the case. I mean, the the sort of star system in Canada is a little different from right. the states. It seems like in the states, yeah. if you do Second City Chicago, there you go, you've got an immediate audition, you know, at SNL right. yeah. and, mm-hmm. and fill the writers' rooms and stuff there. Whereas in Canada, it's it's a little different. Even yeah. from the touring company, I remember like remember they did like a whole thing. Or, like there were three people, I think, uh, from the touring company in Chicago that ended up just going straight yeah. to SNL and yeah. yeah, SNL comes came. At least then, more rarely would mm-hmm. they come up and, and scout mm-hmm. from Toronto. Yeah. And I think you're right too. I think Canada just has this different thing. Like you know, if, if Kids in the Hall had happened in the states, there would have been all of these troops trying to recreate that model. Was Mike Myers the last one? Uh, the last from big, Toronto? Uh, well, no. Lauren Ash has had a pretty good career. Okay. There's mm-hmm. been there's been some people, okay. uh, but I mean, I guess he's Gavin like Crawford, he's like yeah. he's like yeah, the superstar right. level. Yes, mm-hmm. he's the Sorry. last. Yes, Mike. <laughs> If you're listening, you're the last superstar to come out of Toronto. So, okay, so when Carolyn and Jen met them, mm-hmm. what were you? What were your aspirations at the time? Well, I 
I met, I was still in touring company. So mm-hmm. at that point, my aspiration was to get to main stage. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, get to main stage and explore your voice. Because on main stage, in Turco, you're you're doing best of material, mm-hmm. essentially. So other people's sketches, which is super right. fun. And it's a great training ground. Uh, and then they thought was in main stage, the ability to actually write your own material and learn how to do that and learn how to write from improv. So uh, that was that was the vision there. And then it was interesting because after Second City, around our last year, so, was it that when SARS hit? <laughs> Remember SARS, oh, yeah, the yeah, respiratory yeah. Yeah. disease right. that shut down Toronto? Like uh, uh, productions left, really? you know, production houses closed. Mm. Like there was no work. It was just this really weird time where our industry kind of tanked, and we still had a job because we were doing. Yeah, we the still show, had a job doing but, the show, and then uh, I think Jen was working were already on still twenty-two coming minutes. Or no? Oh yeah, audiences were okay. coming, but just. No one wanted to do productions like American shows and, and whatnot didn't want to come to Toronto because it was like mm-hmm. just people were afraid that they were going to die oh, they, of they this thought respiratory we were disease. dying in the streets. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. The Actually, there really was a – I don't want to – I don't think CNN is fake news, but I did see <laughs> – I did see – I think it was CNN. They were like panic in the streets and they shot this particular street, Spadina. But, I, you know, that was a street I took every day and I could tell from the angle of the sun it was – five in the morning. So they're like, there's nobody on the streets. I'm like, yeah, because it's five, five in the, the morning. morning. This isn't actually reflective of what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, from my perspective, I was a little further ahead. And I, at that point, I was like, I think I want to be a, not, I didn't think, I did, I knew I wanted to be a television writer. So I was working on something at that point called The mm-hmm. Gavin Crawford Show, which okay. was a, a sketch comedy show, which actually has a lot in common with Baroness. It, it, it's all shot on location. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sort of, yeah, it was, again, used a lot of Second City alumni, which our show does as well. Mm-hmm. But so but this hour has twenty two minutes. That's that's a show I've known and heard about mm-hmm. for a while. Has that been kind of the star show to to write for to be on or uh, in a Canada? Lot of people have that's a in Canada. Canada. A lot yeah, of people, yeah. As a training ground, certainly. Mm-hmm. Like I I learned a shitload writing yes. on that show because uh, you had to meet these weekly deadlines and you had to churn out copy jokes it would be like you know the desk jokes and stuff like our our showrunner would come in and be like okay 10 you know 10 copy jokes no we want another 10 you know and and it was grueling and you would see your stuff live or die at the table and it was a great lesson for how to do things and a great way to learn how not to do things it's sort of both uh, um of how how things went and how how would you compare and contrast this hour to the daily show Oh, uh, well, it's more sketch based than the daily mm-hmm. show. Like the, it, it, you know, there, there's the desk jokes that they do, which are the like topical things. But then a lot of it is there's a lot of commercial parodies. Um, and then there was what we call double enders, which was sort of like interviewing people who would be involved in a news story, like a fake newscaster interviewing kind of streeters almost. And then it, right. it's involved. Like, what would you say it is now, Mayor? Like, is it still in that kind of realm or? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so helpful. I was like, oh. oh no. Yeah. I don't have a TV. It, uh, yeah. I, I, I actually, um, I don't. <laughs> and also, I mean, like the Daily Show, you know, still, you know, it's like a, a singular, still, even though there are the correspondents, right. there's, you know, John Stewart was a singular personality for so long mm-hmm. and every day. And like, you know, I'm, uh, it was a bit of, there was a lot of circuses to, dr- to draw from, right? So. Yeah. Um, and this hour is a little bit more of a of a spread out kind of ensemble. Yeah, feel. yeah, and because it's like Canadian politics, it it's uh, guys, it's not as sexy as American politics sometimes. <laughs> so we we want. I thought Trudeau made everything sexy. Well, <laughs> this is pre-Trudeau <laughs> now. Like yes, yeah, so now we've got the Trudeau magic sprinkle and stuff. But no, our best thing would be like if there's a juicy political mm-hmm. scandal, would be our like a, oh good, that's a good week for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so so when the. Uh, 
Toronto mayor, Rob Ford. Oh, Rob Ford, oh, yeah. yeah. Ford. His yeah. brother's still around. His brother oh, is yeah. now the premier the of Ontario, and yeah. you can tell he has designs to run for, for prime minister. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Is it, that something that, that the comedy shows dive in, lean into, or, or kind of just go... All right, this is ridiculous enough. We don't need to comment on it. Oh, they, oh no, they, they went for it. I mean, it was, it was, it, it was a preview of what you guys are having now. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was like every couple of weeks, it was something outrageous. So um, I, I remember people trying to, but it was it was a bit difficult in a way because he was such a thing. I know at Second City at the time they were trying to like, how do you write about that right. in in the sketch show? Because he's he, how do you not improve upon, but how do you exaggerate upon? your crack smoking mayor like there's right. not much to say beyond that right you know um but um uh but people people went for yeah. it yeah okay so when the four of you finally coalesced mm-hmm. right coalesced mm-hmm. yes, right, right. Um, this is a coalition coagulated is that <laughs> yeah, yeah we yeah, coagulated yeah. like a plot mm-hmm. was baroness the first idea you had or did you try developing other ideas before uh i think Together, but yeah, oh, Meredith. Meredith, Meredith is what brought us all four of us together. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like to work with these ladies professionally or really knew them <laughs> until I met Carolyn Taylor. Mm-hmm. And then the four of us, the first thing we've all done was Baroness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meredith, you, you had spent, what, a dozen years maybe? Mm-hmm. In England? In England. Yeah, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Nova Scotia. And then I trained... Uh, not in comedy, and uh, was over in the UK for a long time. And then when I came back, uh, I met Carolyn, and then Carolyn introduced me to these fine ladies. <laughs> so when you trained as a professional actress, not in comedy, yeah, and then you decided to move back to Canada, what happened? Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, where did where did that where did everything take that turn for you? I was in the UK, trained at the Royal Academy, I was classically trained, mm-hmm. and then was fortunate enough to work at some wonderful places, um, and learned a lot. And then I didn't start doing comedy until my last year or two years when I was in the UK. And I did a show with Nick Frost and Daisy Haggard, Amanda Abington, and Ben Crompton called Manstroke Woman. And that was relatable, grounded content about relationships of people in their late 20s and 30s. It was a 100% location show. And actually led a lot of what these ladies had been working on at the same time. And then I became a single mom. Uh, at that time, and I knew it was going to be so. I came back to Canada, and I lived with my parents. So that was really classy. And All right, I'm starting from, to see the the, the makings then, of a comedy voice. Yeah. Yeah, then, <laughs> single mom living with parents, <laughs> and then from there, destitute. Yeah, and then from there, I was heartbroken. Like, well, I was like, yeah, I, I see had a good it. kid. I was all right. I was all right. And actually, it was after so much time to be back in. Uh, the tiny community there was something to kind of like enjoy and embrace and then from there I was just working on some ideas at the same time app- applying for um, at the local grocery store because I had really great benefits so as I was like filling those applications Let's I was like let's hear about Canada yeah, yeah. Really yeah and then benefits. I lucked out yeah. come for the benefits, benefits. <laughs> stay for the weed <laughs> yeah and then I lucked out at 22 minutes had heard I think I can't remember I'll have to ask the showrunner at the time of the show but it's something like one of the guys at the CBC had known about a show I had done in the UK, I think, called Peep Show. Okay. And then from there, they're like, this girl is in town. And then I was invited on to 22 Minutes. Okay. And, and at that time, I met Carolyn, which was really odd. I didn't know how 22 Minutes worked. I hadn't been around. I remember there was a show called Codco, that one of the original creators from that. And I was sitting in this cubicle, Yeah. I guess, and was just sitting there like, 
waited like to work where the writers were because I was, I was a writer performer on the show, and then along came. Carolyn, I was there for like two weeks before you. I wasn't even supposed to be there. Like I joined, it was in the new year, so the season had already been going. I'd done it on and off for several years, and I'd left before I'd got had a breakup. Is the season still the same, uh, like September to April or something? Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember we were walking on Roxton Road, and you were like, "Oh, I don't know. Should I do it? I don't know. I'm gonna have yeah, yeah." And I was like, "Do it." Yeah. And I was like, "Ah, fuck! I left there. I don't want to really go back." But then it was like. And so I went, and the minute I landed, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. And everyone was super nice and amazing, but anyway, cut to walking in. And I was there. And the thing that struck me when I was in Canada for a few years with my daughter before I met Carolyn and these uh, Jan and Aurora was that um, in the UK, it wasn't like there was tons, but there was female-fronted shows Mm -hmm. uh, and creators. And in Canada at the time... And um, to be fair, I didn't watch much television and I didn't know the scene or the comedy scene, but I wasn't seeing on the television any shows driven completely by women at the time in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, there is a there's an opening here. <laughs> and there was a model. There's that, no women on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a woman. I'm, yeah. I'm on TV. Yeah. I hear the benefits are good. <laughs> the benefits are wonderful. Wait, so, so then I was like, when I met Carolyn, I was like, I think I, think I have this idea. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, and that was Wait, it. No, so, I remember coming, like when Carolyn yeah. came back, she was like, I met this woman. Meredith McNeil, you're gonna love her. Let's do a thing, and mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh. and like we met, but actually the first time we performed together was doing the sizzle reel. Yeah, and yeah. I remember being really nervous the night before we did because one of the we, things that all four of us decided on that we were like t- to get a show made in Canada and actually have control over it. We were really uh, determined that we would have something called the sizzle reel mm-hmm. because it's determined that we wanted to actually show our content. We wanted to be with a production house that would give us you know, two pennies to rub together to make a sizzle to show the channel. And we thought that that was the only way to make them understand of what we wanted to do, how we wanted to say it, and, and kind of give a feel for the look with, you know. And the tone. So what tone was, is so, so, so we had like a wheelchair, so yeah, a dolly. And so what's your sizzle reel? It oh. is, is, it, is it? It's eight minutes yeah. called Baroness Von Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it had this opening sequence with uh, this scene called Stroller Derby mm-hmm. that, uh, I don't know, like it just was this competition of these women with their strollers and it's super sure. bizarre, uh, all set to Beastie Boys Sabotage. Because, of course, when you're doing a sizzle reel and it's not for broadcast, you can put any soundtrack you want to. Right. Music licensing yeah. rights be exactly. darned. If the Beastie Boys would like to give us a good deal on uh, <laughs> yeah. Sabotage, we would happily <laughs> do Stroller Derby again. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we shot that. We shot all of it. And I remember the producer at the time at our production place, she saw the shot list and she's like, there's 29 shots for this one scene. Like, how are we got to do it in like an hour, an hour? And it was like, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We got this. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so we directed that um, and edited it. And how big was your crew? CBC. Tiny. <laughs> it was we us and uh, a person at Frantic Films. Two people. Dop Igor, Igor and his friend who was doing sound. Mm-hmm. The makeup and, lady. Yeah, makeup lady uh, <clears throat> okay. who did hair and makeup herself and. We got the props. We got the props. Because I remember yeah. we, were the prop we, were we were the prop department. We were costume department because we had that scarring incident at Valley Village. I, oh, my God. And remember, oh. I had some money left on my visa. Like, we were scraping it together. I was like, guys, I think I got 120 bucks on my visa. So she was the rich one. We are like, okay, okay it's going to be married. Okay. going to pay Well, for she this. had the job with benefits. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't have benefits at this time because <laughs> no. I was just back from the UK. So it was literally, um, I went to the bank. I got a visa. And I was like, I, I-, I can get to Toronto. I, okay. I can do this. Wait, so the cast of four crew of seven crew of mm-hmm. if that like, if, crew yeah. of, like yeah. i feel like three, there was three yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well was, like, three actually yeah 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 
and then a bunch of uh, pals how, did you act in this background. How did you pay them? In- we didn't. We, we did. No, we did. Frantic did. Uh, the oh, company true. that front paid the the money. We didn't get paid. We didn't get paid. Yeah. Uh, the makeup lady got paid. Makeup lady got paid. The the DOP and the sound guy. Sound guy always gets paid. And the editor got paid. We didn't get paid. Oh, the sound guy was super crusty. Do you remember? He hated the show. I remember being super crusty. So how long did it take you to put together that eight minute clip? We shot it in two days. Yeah. And then it got edited over the period of like a couple of weeks. Okay. And then I remember when they picked me like I got I was in the East Coast at the time and because one of the things they paid for was my flight to come out. And I'll never forget this. And Aurora's family was so generous. Aurora's sister let us uh write the sizzle reel or second I think the second, the second sizzle, sizzle reel yeah. at her sizzle second sizzle reel at yes. the cottage. That was CBC fronted oh. some money for okay. that one. Yeah. The first and I remember yeah. Carolyn and them picking me up at the airport. It was like the clown car coming mm-hmm. to get me. Like, beep, 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 beep. And they're hanging out the window. I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. I got per diem. Remember, I got per yeah. diem because I was from away. So I paid for the gas. And we thought that, again, I was the rich one. Yeah. <laughs> but we had to do it because they didn't want us. They didn't want to pay. I don't know. They didn't, we didn't do a full-on pilot. They're like, let's do another sizzle reel with like a little more money. Let's see how you guys are to work with. And so that had a bit, you know, that had like eight dollars instead of five dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but we, they were, but they were intrieged enough by the first. Yeah, one. yeah they were sure. interested. They yeah. got us into development the next day, like yeah. literally, yeah. literally the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard we were in development, but we were savvy at this point because a few of us had been burned before mm-hmm. going into development I don't know if it's the same in the states where you can sit on a shelf for like a year or two and right. they give you a little bit of money but you just you can't I think IFC your just put out a, a list of series in development today okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, development. so those so those well, you I never think, know if any of those are going to become real or yeah. not. Yeah, and the key is is giving them a short period of time. So we were saying, like, look, no problem if you don't like the show and you don't want to pick us up, but you got to let us know within, I think we had, like, three months or something like that. Yeah, three to six months yeah. we told Frantic they, they could hold us for. Yeah, with CBC, and, and CBC honored that entirely and, yeah. and put us into development, gave us another sizzle, so that was to see how we worked with them and was it just a one-hit kind of wonder, right. the first sizzle, and then... Uh, March 4th. So they were different sketches for the second. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How many of those sketches have made it into the show? Red Wine Ladies. They got reshot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also Kitten Runner and uh, and, uh, Mom Say Hello. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, Mom Say Hello. We wrote 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 Mom Say Say Hello, but we didn't do it until we actually got picked up. Yes, you're right. Uh, But we reshot the the things. And uh, we did actually try. We tried uh, Selflessies. (laughs) <laughs> had some problems in execution, so it didn't mm-hmm. make the show. Yeah, Joanne, the one with the, oh, yeah, the Joanne, kid's name. Know, got yeah. yeah, we reshot, I think, everything from that first sizzle we did. Yeah, same with the one oh, with the computer and carpoolers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I came across photos. <laughs> buns, the buns. I yeah. came across photos of us doing the sizzle. Do you remember Paloma? Yeah. Mm-hmm. sister-in-law. And we were in your apartment. Yeah. And you were, I was... Like, you became reverse cowgirl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. with chocolate sauce. Yeah. You, was that, and I'm yeah. like, what? were we thinking what sketch was that that was selfless that was we shot those things to be the inserts so the idea was that um that uh, Meredith's character yes, has discovered this thing with uh, yes well because <laughs> um that that she's created this thing that's called self it's a selflessy and i'm like mm-hmm. that is not a thing and she's like yes it's when i take a picture of myself doing um an, un, an unselfish act for someone else and then sure. so selflessy. we had all the jokes and then we thought oh you might want to see them on the phone so we sh- we 
did a little photo shoot in my mm-hmm. apartment. It so was, you guys were reverse cowgirling on my mm-hmm. bed. Yeah, and Navarro with my sister-in-law, just to make it. Wig, I was like, I was a dead, your dead grandmother, I think. That I was giving yeah. a reverse cowgirl too. I don't know why I didn't make the show. Yeah, but yeah. Well, we just actually we realized that we it was well, funnier with that. You're it was production on season yeah. four, so it's there's yeah. time. There's time. Get ready, Aurora. Get that wig on. Get that chocolate sauce out. So when you make. The the deal with IFC mm-hmm. is that something where you, you've gotten on the air with CBC yes. and everything's going gangbusters, yeah. and then you go, well, when do we get to be in the states? And then, oh yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or does do you want to or, distill it to its most? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, how, yeah. but how does that process work? Well, but you want world domination, and right. so we, <laughs> but, you know, but always. Do you, do you that's seek, always the goal. Do you seek, do seek the domination? American networks out, or did they? No, they. No, you, they came to IFC. Came to us. Like we, I think we had a distribution company, or no, actually, before we had a distribution company, one of our producers was going out, like talk to Pop TV, and I can't mm-hmm. remember some other mm-hmm. ones, and we were all pretty adamant. Mm-hmm. We're like, we only want to go one with people who want to be with us. Right. So not some um, American network with all due respect that's like, oh, we're going to recast you all as 25-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, skinny blondes or something. It's like, no, that's not happening. So it had to be a good fit. And then IFC... Uh, we had gone to watch them. Stuff. Yeah, we, I think you know, and it they, hadn't worked out. Yeah, and, and then, then they yeah, had a hole yeah. in their schedule, uh, and um, and then they they saw. Uh, I think it was I think it was dry shampoo and some other ones from the first season because we'd shot and aired first season and we were about to air the second one anyway. And they they were like, yes, this is it. so that it just it worked out very quickly there as yeah. well. And they're a great partner for us. It's like a really good fit. We yeah. really really lucked out. Like because sometimes with Canadian shows they get they get bought. In kind of clumps of things. Right. Mm-hmm. So to Carolyn's point, they get reshot or they get they're just you know oh we needed we need a half hour to fill some time right. so it, it doesn't really get promoted. Or, what is the what are the other shows? Schitt's Creek is yeah. on yeah. pop. That's pop. doing really yeah. well though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a success. And Kim's Convenience sure. is on American Netflix. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah. as is Schitt's yeah. now yeah. too. Yeah. I think they're and they're both doing really well. We're not yeah. on American Netflix. No, no, yeah. But in American Netflix, if you're out there and you want to be on, <laughs> yeah, we would do that. Yeah. I want you to be on American Netflix. We're on Canadian Netflix. Well, it'll definitely happen yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes, now, our first two so. seasons are on Sundance now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But had you talked to any of those other Canadian productions to talk about the wheeling and dealing with American Ours is networks? a bit different. Like ours is, no, maybe it's the same because ours is an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they yeah. just, that's one of the, they don't, they, we just hang out with them and have fun. They just bought the show as is. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. And the same must be Shits and Kim's because there's no creative that's changed in either of those shows. No, yeah. but I think no. they have like probably have an international distributor who... Well, Pop has Pop TV is in Lionsgate or one. I don't yeah. like. Well, I'm, I feel like I'm making. Sense. Yeah, we're going to need a flowchart to, to totally <laughs> yeah. unpack this. I, I don't think it's good. Uh, you know, without so if you've got a show, come make it in but Canada. I, yeah, and but IFC brings you to New York, so that's, yeah. yeah, so yeah. IFC yeah. Is fabulous. They come, we hang out. We've yeah. had a few froses. Mm. Oh, yeah. we've had a few froses. Carolyn had a couple of froses and did a handstand in a pool and then felt really nauseous. I missed that. I didn't think I was drunk until I tried to do a handstand in a pool in LA and then I was like, "Oh, you know what? That didn't feel so good." Mm-hmm. And actually, when I think of that moment, it makes me kind of want to barf again. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. In my underwater upside down. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, "Oh, this will be fun." That sounds like a recipe for suffocating, After, girl. You could have barfed upside down in water. <clears throat> luckily, yeah, I, luckily. I swim. almost have my bronze medallion, so I could have saved you. you I was I was I right actually there. have my bronze medallion. Um, I uh I didn't think I also, I thought I had been pretty good with my frosé intake, and then the next morning I realized, at some point during that, I snuck off to the gift shop, bought myself a bathing suit cover-up, <laughs> and uh, packed it in my th- in my suitcase, so I, I found out the next day I had gone, done some drunk shopping, so I, I, thinking I was, like, really sober. 
We yeah. drank for eight hours by a pool. We, let's yeah. Put it that way. As you do. So other than uh, middle-aged onset alcoholism, mm-hmm. what yeah. else has <laughs> American TV done for your lives? Oh. Well, we're on the show uh, a lot because we're part of every process. Mm-hmm. So we only seem to come to the States to do like promo for the show yeah mm-hmm. so we're not here for long bits of time well we did do a panel in austin texas and oh, a lady recognized us in the airport which was really funny because the, the show had just started on ifc like yeah. just started was it for like, the tv festival or uh, for south by it, southwest south, south by southwest. southwest okay and uh so carolyn didn't come so it was it was the three of us mm-hmm. and so and and usually when we get recognized we get recognized more when there's the four of us people sort of yeah so it's it was unusual for a bunch of different reasons but this woman saw us in the airport and she recognized us and she was like oh my god oh my god and uh uh, she was with her teenage daughter, who was just like, "This is embarrassing." And she was like, "This is the show I keep telling you." Should- oh, you don't even care. She's like, ah. "But she was, she was very excited." So yeah. that's what American television's done for us. So that was yeah. pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. But it hasn't, uh, it hasn't changed your aspirations. No, I mean you. D- or you did mention world domination. Yeah, world oh, domination yeah. is still on the table. But, oh, aspirations. I mean, well, I mean, you know, we want to make people laugh and we want to um, be able to feed our families and uh, do all that. I don't know. I want to, like... Uh, we're like 40-year-old women, 40-plus-year-old yeah. women. We have like, very, tempered expectations. Right. Does it change... Well, I think the world situation changes, like the, the yeah. political climate right mm-hmm. now. As you say, do you, you know, where do you want to be living? Mm-hmm. Under whose government? Uh, with what benefits, mm-hmm. close to which family members are not, with what level rent, mm-hmm. in what kind of community. You know, like, you really actually have to evaluate that right now. We're in, you know, very So in 2018, times. being a Canadian comedy star is... Uh, that comes out here sometimes and does some stuff. Maybe it is, maybe yeah. is more advantageous than being a Hollywood comedy star. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, I think that if we do achieve world domination, mm-hmm. it's going to be, we're going to be benevolent dictators. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really good for everybody. I love <laughs> you that know? you're like, we will be a dictator. That's just something yeah. that's just well, like, world domination. We'll want creative control as we do. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but we'll have really, you know, great snacks. Great snacks. In, in terms, of, apps. Mm-hmm. In terms yeah. of the content you make, has your philosophy changed at all over the four seasons? Mm. Uh, it's made it me bolder in the sense that when we realized in first season that the show was working, that the what we were doing seemed to be appreciated and the mm-hmm. audience was hearing it and mm-hmm. they were seeing themselves that every season and we can always push the boundaries, try a little bit more. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it's kind of stayed the same, but I feel we have more confidence in being like, hey, let's try this. And really okay with the fact that it doesn't work. That's part of our show as well. Like we're all... Mm-hmm. I think we get we've gotten more ambitious. I think we do bigger yeah. sketches than we did at first, and we've gotten more confident um, in what we do. And then we're also, you know, I think trying to grow. Like this season, we've all tried. We're all trying our hand at directing a few sketches and seeing. Like I think mm-hmm. it's sort of as you sort of grow your skill set out, it gets mm-hmm. you get sort of a little bit more confident, a little more ambitious. And it is really interesting to be able to follow a thought through from the beginning to the end. Like you know. Um, when you're when you're hired as a writer, you usually write sketch and then somebody else shoots it and then somebody they cast it and then you you know at the end of the day you see it and you're like oh oh okay that's what they did with it so to be able to be like oh no no making all those decisions right. having a hand in those decisions along the way is is really interesting and also I think has helped me immensely as a writer. How how important has that been for each of you to maintain total control? It's of everything. The oh, yeah. so important. I mean, wait, I so think, important. I, w- I think we gave. Yeah. To correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember we all wanted executive producer, an executive producer. That was one of the reasons why I think to be able to have an idea and see it all the way down the line, um, it's more likely that the original idea will be 
yeah. seen and heard in the way that you expected it to be. So that is wonderful. I think we've, yeah, I think we've all been in situations. I know I certainly have where you're part of something where you do not have final control about uh, how it looks or the tone or is there a laugh track or is there not? And, and, uh, that kind of stuff. And it, it can be, if you're under the, if you're following somebody who's a genius, great. If you're not, it can be excruciating. And I, you know, when you're, when you're on stage improvising, say, you know, do, you know, doing doing the shows uh, in at the comedy bar or you know whatever in, in Toronto, when you're improvising and you have like two chairs and another person and you and that's it, you in, actually have complete control over it because you're building in the audience's mind and in, with each other exactly what it is, what the the set is and the setting and and so we've just gone through this elaborate process of of in reality having total control. Or as much as we can of, of <laughs> so you know, like, but like, that. yes, this is, it has to be this dress as opposed to this one, or, you know, it has to be a mound of cheese, not just a little bit of cheese. And then going right through to, to this is the timing or, oh, actually we need, you know, when we're editing, you have to see the moment where she gets asked for ID. So, so we get that whole thought and it's incredibly satisfying uh, I'm sure any anybody who comes through here, you know, like would would say the same thing because when particularly for comedy, like it, there's sometimes there's like there's a way that you've got to get it, and the tone is so important, and that's been so important for all of us, and it was such a such a great thing to get that. I remember reading that, you know, like final creative say rests with Baroness. Like, oh like, wow, that's amazing. And yeah. now it's funny stepping onto other sets; you have to be careful. Not to be like, oh, actually, we're going to go again. I just want to say that line. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you use live improv shows to develop ideas or no? No. I, I, we, the writing, I mean, I can think of one. Like for your own stuff? One, I know one sketch, like I remember something that it, I'd said like two years, like, several years before. I was like, oh, that could be an interesting thing. But all the premises um, are written for television mm-hmm. and in the writer's room. And then we do improvise um, while we're sitting and working on it. You know, like you, you sit, you read through it on the day. There's there's improv, but not a live okay. setting. I've got mine from stand-up. Like when I do stand-up, uh, some of my stuff like yeah. uh, Pride Bank Float, I've translated into sketches. Okay. Yeah. Have, have, you, have you considered doing a live show or mm-hmm. tour? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We, we've, yeah. We've had people have asked us. I just right. You know, our, in terms of like <laughs> what's next, I mean, you're working on season four. Yeah. You could do that for how many seasons? And then the the obvious ways that sketch groups mm-hmm. usually go once they've been on TV is well, they go on tour, they mm-hmm. make a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those things I think would be fun. It's just our schedule is like right now; it does not allow for anything. Yeah. Um, but who knows what happens in the future? I mean, you know, when you have world domination, it really <laughs> right. it opens up a lot of doors. I think when yeah. you're a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> But well, yeah, there's we a lot of competition for that right now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have them. But I think we're the nicest. <laughs> a lot of competition for dictators? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brazil yeah. just Brazil, elected. Brazil, I was yeah, just going to say, Brazil. Brazil. There's, yeah. There's a lot of competition. You know, has we've ever been such... a female dictator? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm sure there has, but I can't remember their names. Well, she's not successful if you can't remember her name. Clearly. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but we just need a hot minute to organize that. Okay. Um, I want to go back to something you said, Meredith, about... Uh, when you found out about this hour. Yeah. So you were, let me get this straight. You were back from the UK. You were working at a grocery store? No, no. I was applying for a grocery store while I was coming up. You were applying for a grocery store. So you didn't even have the grocer job. I didn't have the grocer job. I would like go down. I would put my daughter to bed. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and my parents would be upstairs watching a show, sometimes The Wire. Mm-hmm. And then... Very good show. Oh, mm-hmm. fantastic. It's not on Netflix, but it's on HBO now. So yeah. good. And then I would go downstairs mm-hmm. and come up with idea, like, be like, what is a good... When I wasn't applying for mm-hmm. other jobs at the coffee shop or at the... Then I would come up with ideas for shows of what could I do. So when you got that call, that was kind of out of the blue? When I got the call for 22 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it was completely out of the blue. So... Take me, just take me through that whole that whole moment because. Well, I, I was worried about who would take care of my child. Mm-hmm. Is the big thing, and then my mom came with me, and we lived in a hotel with my daughter at the Lord Nelson, uh, where my daughter actually learned to walk. And then I would go to write and perform on Twenty Two, right. and then met Carolyn Taylor there. But the moment before you got the phone call, you were just applying for any job and I was dreaming of yeah it was hard I mean it was really hard for me I mean I'll be honest like I raised money to go to the school that I went to for Mm -hmm. three years it was really I learned more raising money to go to school than I did actually at the Royal Academy about people and stuff so it was a really hard moment in my life but actually so many not to be cheesy about it like a lot of great things came from it I became absolutely fearless because I mean it came, I was really lucky I had somewhere to go I had my folks place to go right. to they didn't have much but they took me in and there was no question about my help supporting my daughter and I it was a phenomenal thing and I have full appreciation for that um, but at the same time I was reckless I didn't care it's like someone's going to say no to you who cares I have an idea great, let's try it. You know what I mean? Like, try again, try again, try again, try again. So out of that came a lot of life. Let's go for it. Well, and now I even, like, we'll take that into my work and be like, oh, this doesn't work. Right. Big deal. Well, there's so many people, especially in comedy, who scrape and just get by for so many years and wonder when that break is going to happen. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. fascinated to know, like, how you get through those periods where you're like... I was literally, when I was working, developing the show back before we got, we were greenlit, mm-hmm. working on all of this stuff back and forth. Mara and I would be on Skype all the time. I was painting my friend's porch, like literally a friend from high school who's a dear friend. She's like, I'll pay you 20 bucks an hour. Can you paint my porch? Can you clean my garage? Can you shop for my family? Like, because she knew it wasn't like about charity. It was about like, you know, can I do a thing? Right. And, and it was from those generous friends who, you know, said, hey, I, I know you're going for it. And I was all in. I'd spent every penny I had on working on the show. I was, my credit card was maxed out. I was in. Uh, I had overdraft of $1,500 and I'd gotten down to $1,200. I worked every single day at my desk. I sat there and I fucking worked and worked and worked at it. Mm. We would talk on the phone, Mara and I. And uh, it was, um, yeah. And then we got the call on March 4th. Or I got the call that morning mm. and then I called these guys and told them. And uh, I had a breakdown the night before. I was with my girlfriend. I was like, it didn't happen. I thought it was going to happen by February. We thought we were going to have heard. It's now March. It didn't happen. All my chips were in. Fuck, I got it. And I was like, I think I'm going to, I'll teach some classes and I'll Carol and I used become to call a massage therapist or something. Yeah. I call you and I'd be like, it's Graham. And you're like, Meredith, don't change it. Remember, it was like a Yeah, it was back and forth. And I just like cried and cried. Like it didn't happen. And then the phone call came that morning and I barely could be excited because I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was, you know, shocking. And then I actually felt rich. I went to, I went to buy jeans because I'd been wearing the same jeans, mm-hmm. same pair for like two, three years. And uh, my girlfriend's like, we're going to get you a new pair of jeans. And I still, I knew a check was going to be coming soon enough. You know what I mean? Like you right. get your thing and some money is going to be coming. And 
Uh, was this a check from the second development? Uh, it would have been from the second development, something mm-hmm. like that. Or no, no, I'd use that to live. No, this was. Uh, <laughs> no, it was not. That was what you was the second development. A couple of thousand dollars. No, 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 I paid my credit card and right. stuff. Uh, so it was whatever. I knew money was going to be coming, and I looked at my my uh, balance that was negative twelve hundred, and I still had three hundred left. And I was like, I fucking did it. I'd never <laughs> felt so excited financially. I felt rich. You scraped that iceberg. I and scraped you kept going. The iceberg, yeah. like touchdown, almost yeah. at the bottom, and. Yeah, so that was exhilarating. It's such a. It's such I think a all thing. four of us were kind of in a, in a oh, tough spot. Yeah. I remember because you had gotten married, Jen, the summer before mm-hmm. the summer that we got development. Mm-hmm. And Which I remember is- Chris, my husband, and I. We had we had discussed like, can we afford to rent the car to go to Jen's? Like it was a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm so, of course, so mm-hmm. glad we went. But it was like there's. It was a really that, bright wedding. It was guys. a great wedding. It was a great wedding. It was wonderful. But it's I, I you know like I think every I know every time you have a chat with like improvisers or comedians like certainly Toronto and I'm sure it's the same here there's a moment where you're like lying in bed I remember like lying in bed going what else can I do yeah you know mm-hmm. because you uh, you know I you might be lucky that. if you get yeah <laughs> if you might be lucky if you get like a, you know I booked a commercial this year or, you know like if you watch TV in Canada for sure like that I watch the commercials now when I do sit down and watch network because like I was like oh look at all these talented talented like award-winning improvisers and you, most of the time you don't get paid to do an improv show you know like you jump up on the thing and you have to do it um but everybody is like where am i gonna go and what's gonna happen and i think you know you talk about going to the states that that's because of the economy of scale sometimes like well that's where there might be money for me to live for a while and Mm -hmm. like to 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 maybe own a house you know that which is like an unattainable dream if you live in toronto and you're an improviser and also just like what am i doing with my life like am i just auditioning for marketing campaigns and then doing like beautiful improv with my friends but like what what am I you know there's so many improvisers and comedians in Toronto and again I'm sure the same here who are like the top of their game and if they were opera singers at the commensurate level of skill they'd be flown all over the world they'd be like making money you know being but it's such an ephemeral thing comedy that if you don't find a way to to bottle it if you don't find that person who says yes they're 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 incredibly talented people at the same time. I, I, if I have one hope for the show, it's that it, it shows in Canada, you know, like like let creators do what they're doing and let them have a say on it or and have the say on it because you know take a chance on it so that more people can stay at home where we have healthcare and like you know have your kids <laughs> and your family and not have to go out and maybe just spend your lonely time in Los Angeles. And our timing was really great as well that I always I mean mm-hmm. you can be talented and you can have and a lot of people are and you can work really really hard and a lot of people do but I do think sometimes it just comes down to timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that we had two things going for us. One, the four of us were so supportive of one another and getting this show up and running and, you know, with the visas and Value Village and I think Jen and Aurora out gathering strollers for oh, yeah. stroller oh, yeah. derby yeah. and, yeah. like, you know, like piecing it together. And then the other thing we had was was timing, uh, you know, with the CBC, what they yeah. were looking for. And I think one of the reasons, we'll have to get the Michelle Daly and our developing producers over here, Greg mm-hmm. and Karen, to confirm this, but I think they were ready and looking for something that had strong female content at the time. So I think one of the reasons... Wasn't just because, of course, of the four of us. We were amazing. We were amazing. But I think at the same time, when we walked through the door, and that could be the reason that we had like a twenty-four hours of development Mm -hmm. pickup. So, what would you tell the the women out there now who may feel like 
write yourself. They might not make it, or 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 they're. You might not, (laughs) but that's not that's not your value. You know whether it whether your timing is right (laughs) and you you quote unquote make it like there's fuck there's so many amazing talented people who don't have their own show there are other mm-hmm. women who were endeavoring to have their show on TV that didn't happen there's other women, women who came before us who had their time and did amazing work like I'd say just keep working towards it and that everything I think Jen was speaking to this in the last interview we did but just that all the jobs you did before whether it was like I worked in an office at one point you know like that informs how I behave in an office sketch like Mm -hmm. any of the failures and other jobs like they all whatever you're doing it's it's it can be working towards the goal. So take everything that's going on. If you're down and out in a job, use that to write about being down and out because it's going to come from a place of truth. Yeah, I totally valleys, I think, too, because it's like, you know, certainly I've had times where I worked and I was like, well, this is I work and I'm working doing what I love. And then if then, you know, it's it's integration and and disintegration, it will fall apart. And, you know, something like SARS will happen and there's no work for a couple of years and things. So that is also like it's a long game. But you have to live your life as a full person. If you're getting your identity just from your job, whether you're, whatever you're doing, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You know, you have to, there's a lot of different ways to be creative. So you can be creative with, you like to garden, you like to cook, you like to do whatever it is that you like to do, plus whatever your art thing is. Um, but there's no, I think also two people are like, oh, they get really shamed about like, you know, working mm-hmm. in an office or their side hustle. And, and it does inform stuff. And it, 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 you will take everything that you've learned and you will synthesize it. Like they say, you know, if you're a writer, eventually you will use every single experience. And I think that this kind of creative life you do. So you just have to go, hey, you know, that's what it is. And and I think that people uh, hide their struggle, too. Like, you know, there's so many people that like, oh, they're an overnight sensation. They broke out of the scene. But you don't actually see the 10 right. years yeah. of hard work that Especially they did Especially with social that. media. People yeah. don't want to. Yeah. They don't show you. Show and luckily, applause. our, our job is not to be young. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, we're not, uh, you know, we're not like a Hollywood. T- yeah, yeah, it's amazing. This isn't a high school sketch. Yeah, show? this isn't a high school sketch. I'm show. out. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, our job is to be truthful and to be funny mm-hmm. and and to and to have experience and and, um, you know, we uh, we've always from the beginning loved, you know, like we want to go for like, you know, it's funny that and you know, go for for the truth of of things. And so the more the more painful truth you can show as a comedian, it turns out the better. You know, but I say like write your way out of it too. At mm-hmm. the same time, I think that's what we all did. We just try to create content and just didn't stop. And I mean, and you can stop, but at the same time, and I'm not saying our show isn't good. I think it's fantastic, and I think what we do is important, but. I think one of the reasons it was so well received is there wasn't a lot of voices talking 40-year-old women on mm-hmm. television talking about their experiences. There wasn't a lot of that. And I think with what's happening right now and women having a voice, finding their voice, wanting a voice, I say write it, do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, there is still a huge gap in the market. Mm-hmm. So fill it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? As best yeah. you can. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to thank the four of you women for sharing your voices with, with us. Thanks, thank for you. Carolyn, Jen, Meredith, Aurora. Thank you. Very nice fun sketch show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for thank having you us. So much. Thank, thank you. you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
things first.